Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones, back here today. Purdue was in the driver's seat in the Big Ten regular season race, but that all went out the window when they lost on Saturday up at Michigan State. Now, we enter the final week of the regular season. Purdue needs a pair of wins to earn a share of their 25th Big Ten title. We'll break down that Michigan State game here today. And then we'll look ahead at what's to come for Purdue and the conference as a whole as we enter March. First, as always, if you don't already, follow the show on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. We are there always talking Purdue hoops, Big Ten hoops, uh, college hoops as a whole. Uh, always love the conversation there. So be sure, follow the show on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. Join the conversation and subscribe to Boilers and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts. We are available everywhere and have a lot of good stuff coming up here in March. And with the NCAA tournament around the corner, Big Ten tournament coming up, if you uh, you know some friends that are Purdue people and aren't listening to the podcast, send it out their way. Uh, we'd love to grow this audience as we move into the NCAA tournament and close the year out strong before getting into uh, summertime content where there aren't Purdue games being played. Now, getting into yesterday's loss, recording this here on Sunday night, uh, after Purdue's 68-65 loss up at Michigan State that really, in my mind, boiled down to one thing, and that is Purdue turned the ball over 17 times in this game, and that simply cannot happen. Uh, you can't you can't turn the ball over on 25% of your possessions and expect to win, especially on the road in what wasn't the most hostile environment. Uh, I was there. That was my first time in Breslin. Um, but it's never an easy place to win. And you can't go in there and give a team that is so built to get out in transition like Michigan State is, you can't give them you know, 17 times where they can run out and transition on you because that's where they can absolutely kill you. You know, looking at the box score here, I mean, five of those turnovers come from Jaden Ivey alone. It was not his finest day by any means. Now, it's not something where the whole loss is on him. There's plenty of blame to go around here when you turn the ball over 17 times, but you know, five turnovers from him, and then you have seven from the big men combined between Edie and Williams. Look, that's a lot. Uh, that That's a lot to overcome. You know, you, you're too good of an offensive team to turn the ball over 17 times, and that was reality for Purdue. That's why it got beat. Now, Michigan State's defensive game plan was excellent. And their execution of that game plan was even better. Uh, they did an excellent job. They took away the three and made Purdue go inside to beat them. That's what Michigan State's been doing to Purdue for some time now. That's not news. Uh, this game felt eerily similar to that 2018 game at Michigan State when Miles Bridges hit the shot in Matthias's face from 30 feet out. Uh, to win it, and I think even that score was the same. I really 
I really think that game was 68-65 as well. Um, but Isaac Haas had had a big game there, and they took away Purdue shooters, and it worked. Happened again in this one. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that this is something that a lot of other teams can pull off. Michigan State's really long, especially in the backcourt. You know, Max Christie at the two is really long. Gabe Brown at the three, he's pretty long as well. So you're you're able, like Gabe Brown's long enough that he was able to do a really good job of taking Sasha Stefanovic out of the offense. And again, I don't know that everyone can do that, but that's an excellent place to start. You take away that threat and you really take away Purdue's biggest three-point threat that they run stuff for. You know, Mason Gillis will knock down open threes. Isaiah Thompson will knock down open threes. Um, Eric Hunter will as well. But they run stuff for Stefanovic far more than they do anyone else. And when that doesn't work, when that's not an option, you know, Purdue had to go inside a lot. And that was from the post, and that was from Jaden Ivey going to the rim. Um, It was an excellent game plan that worked really well. And, you know, Zach Eady got his. Zach Eady had 25 points. Travion Williams had 11, so there's 36 points from your bigs. Uh, Jaden Ivey gets 16. But, you know, all in all, only five Purdue players scored in this game. And Caleb First had one shot attempt. It was a dunk on an alley-oop. Sasha Stefanovic's two points came on a backdoor cut for a layup. Um, outside of that, Excuse me, I didn't see Williams down there. You had six guys, um, six guys score. Stefanovic in first with two, and then Eric Hunter Jr. had a nice game, I thought. I thought he played really well. Um, he's continued to have a very good second half of this season. Uh, he's been excellent for Purdue. I thought in this game, Purdue's deficiencies on defense were really well showcased. Um, because it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't that Purdue was just miserable on defense in this game, but, you know, Michigan State shoots 47% and they go 9 of 20 from three. And that was just enough to make it really difficult for Purdue to get back in the game. And they were able to. Uh, Purdue got a little bit lucky at some points in this game when Michigan State, I want to say, had two straight possessions uh, where they had three-pointers rattle out. I think it was Gabe Brown and Max Christie had a couple of three-pointers rim out right around the same time that Purdue had open threes in a corner for Mason Gillis and Eric Hunter, and neither of those fell either. So, you know, the basketball gods even things out, but... You know, Michigan State did a nice job. Purdue's guards don't stop the ball well, uh, so the opposing guards get the ball inside, and they kick it out to an open three-point shooter when Stefanovic, Gillis, first, someone has to come in and help for the guy who got beat first. Um, It's probably not going to get a whole lot better at this point. I think that's just probably a no-getting-away-from feature of this team. I... I don't, I, you know, you don't love that. It's so different from what you normally associate with Purdue basketball, but that's reality. Uh, that's what this 
group is. It's a group that doesn't play defense all that well. And, you know, when Purdue... When Purdue struggles to play defense and, you know, piece together stop after stop, it really highlights those turnovers. And it is remarkable that Purdue was in that game because on paper, you turn it over 17 times, you're struggling to put stops together, you still win. Uh, You'll take that all day. And how you look at this game really depends on what viewpoint you want to have. Um, If you want to Look at it from the negative, you know, a negative side. Yeah, I mean, it's an example of a defensive strategy to beat Purdue. You know, I had a question about this on Twitter, and yeah, I mean, to some degree, yeah, it is a, it was showcasing a way to slow down Purdue. Now, as I kind of said, Max Christie, Gabe Brown are very long. They're very good players to execute like this. Michigan State has three big guys they can at least throw in the game um, between Bingham, Julius Marble, and Maddie Sissoko. A lot of teams don't have that. And, you know, Marble played a nice game, but I don't, I don't think those guys are, you know, fantastic bigs. But that's something that they at least have that they can – risk getting fouls called on them and they can have a little bit more room to be physical with Purdue's bigs one-on-one and let everyone else, you know, make limit everyone else's production. Um, That's something that I just don't, I don't know that it's going to be easy to replicate, but yeah, I mean, it is a blueprint. Um, I think also, it comes down to Izzo knowing Painter so well. Uh, these two guys have been coaching against each other for, what is it, 17 years now? Uh, they've probably played over 30 times by this point, so they know each other really well. Uh, that's something that when you get into the NCAA tournament, you're not going to have that because you're not, at least likely, not going to play a Big Ten team in the NCAA tournament. Now that I say that, of course, Purdue will get matched up with a Big Ten team in the Sweet 16 or something, but oh well. Um, a negative, Another negative point of view that you can take from this is that this really isn't a great Michigan State team that Purdue just lost to. Um, they played well. That was one of the better performances I've seen from them this year, but they don't have a Cassius Winston. They don't have a Denzel Valentine. Um, They don't have the guy that a Michigan State team usually does. And that's been, uh, that's been part of why they've struggled this year. But, you know, it is a little bit discouraging when three or four of the teams you've lost to, you're 24 and five, three or four of those have been to teams that really aren't all that great. And it depends how you define Rutgers. I don't think they're that great. Uh, They're a solid team. Indiana, Michigan, Michigan State, not all that great. And it's always discouraging when you've seen some of that. You've seen Purdue struggle against those types of teams. And it doesn't exactly make you excited for the NCAA tournament. um, Just knowing that there's a very high degree of variance with this Purdue team, it feels And I think in hindsight, I mean, we've seen it a lot this year. Uh, The 
North Carolina State game, awful. Um, Purdue somehow found a way to win. The um, Villanova game, Purdue did an excellent job storming back to win that game. Same with the Maryland game. But, you know, it just hasn't been... You haven't seen a ton of dominating performances, and that's really from the defensive end. But, you know, this team still has all the ability in the world to go on a run in the NCAA tournament. There's just... A lot of crazy things that happen in March, as Purdue fans well know. Um, on a positive note, you know, all six, the top six teams in the AP poll all lost on Saturday. You're not the only ones that lost. Um, this is the time of year where that stuff kind of happens. But you played as poorly as you really could have. And you still, you know, who knows what happens if that shot from Tyson Walker doesn't go in. and you go to overtime, you never know. Uh, you knew that shot from Tyson Walker was going in as soon as he got it. As soon as he got that switch on Travion Williams, that was a great spot for them to be in. Um, and the other positive, you know, as I said in the open, you win the next two, you're Big Ten champs. You get the share of the conference title. I've said it from the start. This team's too good to not win the Big Ten, to not put something in the rafters of Mackey Arena with them. Um, Jaden Ivey's too good of a player to leave West Lafayette without something in the rafters besides his jersey number. Um, so you'd love to get that. Um, you have as big a game as you've had all season now. At Wisconsin, Tuesday, 9 p.m., and that's do or die for your regular season hopes. Uh, you, Purdue played very poorly. When Wisconsin came to town earlier this year, uh, Purdue turned it over a lot. Johnny Davis got going, finished with 37, and Purdue struggled. Uh, Jaden Ivey was in foul trouble for a little bit of time in that game. Um, you know, Purdue's, I remember Zach Eady had a nice game, but, you know, that was a tough loss. And it is interesting. Purdue's been successful against Wisconsin in recent years up at the Kohl Center. But it's still a tough place to win, and it's a very tough Wisconsin group. They are incredibly disciplined. They're not going to turn it over. You have to play very well to beat them, and they are a group that, you know, I've said it all year if you've listened to the show. Um, I've not thought Wisconsin's all that great, but here they are now um, with Purdue and Nebraska left, so if they beat Purdue, they're probably outright Big Ten champs in a year where, you know, you have two teams that are pretty legitimate threats to go deep, uh, Purdue and Illinois. So, I don't know. Um, I think, I personally think Purdue will be all right. I always think that a rematch favors the team that lost the first time, um, especially in Big Ten play. But I don't love a road game at Madison. I don't love the 9 p.m. tip. I think it's a 50-50 game. Um, now, Indiana at home for senior night, uh, I think that's going to be a great atmosphere, especially if Purdue wins on Tuesday. Um, you have a senior night for Eric Connor, Sasha Stefanovic, Travion Williams, a good group to honor. Uh, three guys who have had very nice careers at Purdue, uh, have represented Purdue very well. You want to get some revenge for that loss you had down in Bloomington in 
January. Um, it's a different IU team. Rob Fennessy is somewhat limited. He just came back from an injury uh, tonight. They just beat Minnesota holding on in bizarre fashion. You know, it's it's a game I think Purdue sets up very well in. Uh, I use playing for their tournament wives right now. They've got Rutgers on Wednesday before Purdue. I don't know that they can go 0-2 this week. Um, obviously, your home game against Rutgers is far more winnable than at Purdue if you're an IU fan, but they have to win one. I don't think they can lose both of these and feel good about where they're at going into the Big Ten tournament. Uh, so it's a massive week. You know, this is this is your do-or-die week where you either win a Big Ten championship or you don't, obviously, because that's the only alternative. Um, it's been a fascinating year in the Big Ten. You know, you've got Wisconsin in the lead. They've got a one-game lead up on uh Purdue and Illinois after Ohio State beat Illinois last week and Michigan State beat Purdue this past weekend, so they're a game ahead. And then after those three, Ohio State just knocked themselves out of anything they could do with a loss at Maryland today. Um, But it's really the bubble talk. You have Rutgers, Michigan, and Indiana all right there firmly on the bubble. I think... If you're Purdue, you certainly would love to see all three of them get in um, to help your resume a little bit. You know, you would have losses to only tournament teams if those three were to get in. But will that happen? You know, probably not. Someone's got to lose games, especially that Rutgers-Indiana game might be an elimination game. Um, That'll be interesting to see. Michigan is just in the weirdest spot possible. Nothing about that program has made sense this year. Um, They lost to Illinois today. Again, I don't know if they'll get in. It's possible that, you know, only one of those three teams gets in. And then, of course, you go to the Big Ten tournament where weird things tend to happen. I had a question um, regarding this Purdue team. And are they kind of bored at this point? And I, I think there's some validity to that. I don't think it's an excuse to use by any means, but, you know, the majority of the conversation this year um, around Purdue basketball has been all NCAA tournament based because as all of you guys listening know, because you're probably all Purdue fans, this is a program that is so desperate to get to a final four uh, that, you know, I don't think there was ever a moment in November when Purdue got off to a great start where the discussion was, man, they're off to a great start. It's A, getting number one in the country for the first time ever, and then B, is this year they get to a Final Four? Is this year they win their national championship? Um, And that's fair. It's justified. I mean, it's got to happen eventually uh, if you're a Purdue fan. And... I'm sure, you know, Purdue fans have been looking forward to it all year. I'm sure this team has been. Um, They certainly have a sour taste in their mouths still from last year's NCAA tournament. I am positive they would like to uh, 
get past that, go win some NCAA tournament games, you know, get to that second weekend and then see if they can't get down to New Orleans. With the tournament as well, you know, I had a question about seeding. I don't think Purdue can get to a one seed at this point. I think that's highly unlikely. Now, it's possible, um, I guess, in the sense that if you win the next two and then you win Friday, Saturday, Sunday of the Big Ten tournament, we'll see what happens in other tournaments, but you probably put yourself in a pretty good spot with you know, a few more quad one wins. Can they fall below a three? I don't know about that either. Um, I think you... Obviously, you want to win these next two to get the Big Ten Championship, but I think you feel pretty good about a two-seed if you can win these next two games. If not, you might fall down to a three. I would be rather surprised if this group fall down to a four, though, especially with none of their losses coming in quad three or four, and only one of those, the game at Rutgers, is still a quadrant two loss at this point. The other four are all quad ones, so that that helps. Um, but it'll be interesting, you know. I think more than anything, Purdue needs to be in Chicago uh, for the regional for the Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight. Uh, you want Indy for the first two rounds, Chicago for the Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight. If you do that, you're putting yourself in a good position. There's no guarantees it works out. I mean, no team had a more favorable spot last year for the tournament than Purdue playing in Indy, uh, and it didn't work out so well. But I think this year, um, just getting in, getting the favorable locations is going to help, and hopefully, you know, something that hasn't happened to Purdue as far back as I can even think is having a little bit of uh, carnage happen in their region. I you know, you look back, they played a one seed in Kansas in 2017. Uh, Texas Tech was the three seed in 18. Virginia was the one in 19. Um, I guess, obviously, it was in the second round. Kansas was the two back in 2012. So, um, Purdue's had, Purdue hasn't had, like, a lot of crazy stuff happen around them. I think you'd love that to happen this year as well. Closing out here with a few random thoughts. Uh, these are basically becoming my football thoughts because every week I think, all right, you know, I'm not going to touch on football next week. And then a thing or two happens that I need to touch on. Uh, Marty Biaggi, special teams coordinator, leaving for Ole Miss. That's a pretty big loss, in my opinion. Um, it's certainly a recruiting loss. You know, Biaggi was the in for the state of Louisiana where Purdue had, what, three or four commits this year, signees this year, and you have 2023 quarterback Ricky Collins from down there in the boot as well. Uh, Biagi was very involved in that. I would love to know what the salary jump is for Biagi going from Purdue to Ole Miss. It is no secret that the SEC pays better. Um, it is a step up. It's not a massive step up, but there's no doubt it's a step up. Getting in the SEC is massive. I mean, it's it's the best conference in college football, and it's really not all that close. Um, it's the fifth coaching change of the offseason. And 
I do plan on doing a deep dive after basketball ends. Um, you know, we'll have the spring game the second weekend of April. I will do plenty of stuff around that. And then I would like to do an episode just looking at all of the news that happened since the Music City Bowl, basically, because I know, you know, during basketball season, it's much harder to really pay attention to football, uh, get everyone caught up there and talk some about what's going on. But it's definitely not a comforting thing um, to come off a really good year, go into next year with a good amount of optimism, and then you lose five coaches. That's tough. Um, it's not something Purdue can't come back from, but boy, that's tough. Also on the gridiron, Michael Lamo, the uh, quarterback from the 2020 recruiting class, uh, spent two years at Purdue. He is entering the transfer portal um, that completely opens up the door and sets, sets the stage, really, for Brady Allen to start the 2023 season opener as a redshirt freshman, as the starting quarterback. Um, you know, he'd redshirt this year and then start next year. Alema was interesting because he was very much billed on his potential. Um, coming in from a run-heavy offense in high school, uh, that was a big adjustment to come to Purdue, I would think. And you just never heard a ton regarding Alamo. Um, I thought it was a bit of a giveaway in hindsight when Austin Burton announced that he was going to come back for another year. Um, I don't, I don't know much about Austin Burton. He played one game really at UCLA. Uh, he played well in that game, but he played one game and at Purdue, he really hasn't done a whole lot. So it's difficult to say much there, but if that was kind of pushed on by the coaching staff, then I can certainly see how the writing was on the wall here. Uh, that, at this point, leaves Aiden O'Connell, Austin Burton, and uh, Brady Allen as your three scholarship quarterbacks for this year. I think you would love to get someone out of the portal to add to depth, but quarterbacks don't want to go somewhere where they're not going to play. And you're not going to get a quarterback who's dead set on playing this year uh, because they know they aren't going to beat out Aiden O'Connell. So it's tough there, but we'll see how things go for Purdue. And then finally, just wanted to close with the annual reminder that as a fan, conference tournaments are awesome to watch just because it's basketball on all day. Uh, it's teams that especially, you know, the week before and in the early weeks that you don't really see much of from the small schools. Absolutely love these small schools, small conferences where the championship game is in a home gym. Uh, that's fun. Growing up in a family with a lot of Valparaiso people, seeing them win Horizon League championships on their home floor was always cool. Um, Conference tournaments should not determine automatic qualifiers. I really hate the principle of that because you throw away what the regular season meant for the most part, and then, you know, things can get fluky in conference tournaments. Um, 
It happens every year where there's some mid-major that's going into the NCAA tournament at 29-5, and five, but they lost in their conference tournament and don't get in. That drives me nuts. It's a sport that is very postseason heavy. The NCAA tournament's the greatest event in sports, and it's not close. But I would love to see and conference tournaments could go away. And I certainly think it would provide for a fairer NCAA tournament. But also the fact that every team technically goes into you know, the final weekend of the season with a chance at the NCAA tournament, that's also something that makes college basketball very unique. Um, that's all I have for you today, though. Thank you for spending some time with me. We will be back next week to put a wrap on the regular season and take a look at the Big Ten tournament. It's March, folks. It's the best time of the year. I'm recording this now with 27 and a half hours until March for John Rothstein to know. Uh, be sure to follow on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. Join the conversation, all things Purdue. Um, Subscribe wherever you get your podcast so that you don't miss an episode as we enter the home stretch of the season here. Until next time, go enjoy the first week of the best month of the year.